Hi, I'm Rachel Monteleone and welcome to Kittypedia, the podcast. I'm not an expert. However, I do speak with them with the view of providing you with expert information and advice to help you be the best parent that you can be. Together, let's give children the life they deserve and a positive future. Hello and welcome. Well, have you ever wondered, does a child's birth order help shape their personality? If you've wondered this, well, you're in the right place. You know, according to the Australian Bureau of Statistics, the average amount of children per family is 1.8. So even though it's not as common that families are as large as they used to be, it is fascinating understanding the psychology behind first, second, third, and subsequent children's birth order and how science and research determines what the birth order says about their personality or not. Now, to help shape uh, this um, this opinion, I guess, and for us to understand a little bit more, we welcome our special guest, Diagram, a senior registered psychologist from Positive Mindworks. Now, Diane has over 20 years' experience in private practice working with children, adolescents, and adults with anxiety. Thank you for joining us, Di. How are you? Yes, welcome. Thank you. Now, we published your article titled Your Child's Birth Order, What Matters and What Doesn't. Now, for someone who hasn't read the article yet, could you please tell us just a little bit about what it's about and, of course, what inspired you to write it? Yes. um, There's a lot of information around about birth order in your children being very important. Um, it's, It's quite an old theory, more than 50 years old now, and it seemed to have good face validity when it was introduced. Um, and I think realistically it still does have face validity for many people in that the assumptions that are made seem to be true when you look for them. Um, unfortunately, though, the science has not been able to sus- Uh, substantiate any of the claims about your child's birth order. Um, Certainly there's no evidence that the birth order of any children in the family affects their personality. Um, So if, you know, what is it about your children's birth order that actually captures the popular imagination so much? It, It is something that people, when they look for the evidence, they think they see it. Um, but sometimes the science says just the opposite, and, and we'll go into some of that in detail a little bit later on. So you mentioned in your article that Alfred Adler, a contemporary psychoanalyst Sigmund Freud, was the first to theorise this over 50 years ago, that birth order of children affect not only your child's personality, but its effects resonate right throughout their whole life. So I'd love to know, from your perspective, does birth order affect a child's personality? Um, in fact, it doesn't. <laughs> it 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 would make sense when you when you apply the assumptions to children, you can see that they might resonate with some truth, but the research doesn't support it. And in many cases, the research is just the exact opposite to what the um, the anecdotal claim is. And what are some of the assumptions about firstborns that we should know about then? Um, 
The assumptions about firstborns are that they achieve more, that they uh, are more likely to go to university, they have higher self-esteem, they're more driven, they're more responsible, uh, more intellectual, more likely to be leaders. Um, uh, but again, the science uh, doesn't support most of that. What it does support is that we do find um, a disproportionate percentage of firstborns in the university population. Um, and the assumption is that they get a lot of one-on-one -on -one attention, whereas subsequent born children perhaps don't get quite as much individual attention. So certainly with firstborn children, the assumption is that they're very achievement oriented, um, that the science actually shows that that is true. Um, that firstborn children are overrepresented in university populations. For example, um, if you are an only child in your family, um, in university populations, approximately 63% of them are firstborn children, only children. Um, and then that percentage goes down to about 50% representation in four-child families. Um, Firstborn children do seem to have slightly higher scores on, on traditional IQ tests. Um, it's, it's probably not because they're firstborns um, in any genetic sense. It's just simply that I guess parents put a lot of time and energy into their firstborn children. They read a lot to them. They know what the milestones are. They help their children reach them. And if there are more children that come afterwards, you become more time poor, busier, and and perhaps children don't get that as much one-on-one -on -one attention, perhaps. Mm. And could you please share with us, I guess, the common assumptions about middle-born children then? Well, the common assumptions about middle-born children, and, and this came from Adler as well, um, he was the first person to say they're overlooked, they don't feel that they belong, and so they are more likely to act out behaviours to try and meet their or get their needs met. Um, he said they didn't feel special, uh, they didn't feel equal to their older siblings, they didn't feel that they had as much attention as their younger siblings. Um, so he thought that they were less likely to ask for help or, or share in family activities. Um, now, that's not true. It, the opposite is actually true of middle-born children. Um, what the science has shown us mm. is that middle-born children um, generally have very high self-esteem. They are quite competitive uh, in terms of competing with the older children. Uh, but they they tend to build better relationships with subsequent children um, after them, more so than with the older child. The older child tends to split off from the siblings and be a bit more independent. Mm. And are there any other common assumptions then about younger or last borns at all? Yes, yes. I think the really common assumptions about last born or the youngest in the family is that they... Uh, a bit clingier, they get spoilt more, uh, they tend to be a bit more attention-seeking and just generally get away with a lot more stuff. Um, I think it really is true that as, as parents have more children, the younger children don't have such strict rules. So perhaps with the first child, you don't want your child using electronic devices or watching the television, you know, as a two-year-old. By the time you've had your third or fourth child, 
they're probably watching, you know, Bluey on television at the age of two or before. So it's just as parents get busier, they they become more skilled and they they relax a little bit more, I think. Yeah. So I guess then in your opinion, what are the commonly claimed characteristics that we should know about in general then about all children? <laughs> Um, the, the common, I guess the most common claim of birth order theory is that it exists. And, and what we now know is it doesn't really exist. It's a, wow. it's a popular myth. It's, a, it's quite a useful myth in some ways because it gets parents thinking about their children and talking about their children with other parents and perhaps, you know, putting a little bit more effort into um yeah, in, into into teaching their children things and nurturing them, but uh, so it's it's good from that point of view. It's uh, it it just doesn't affect personality. Personality is something that you are born with. Your personality, it's it's intact when you're born, and it is modified by the environment, and and develops depending on whether your your parents accept your personality and support that or find it very different from their own and don't understand it and therefore don't support you to be yourself, basically. Mm. So then you've mentioned, I guess, a lot of the research earlier. So what does science then tell us, I guess, is important for parents just to know about their children's birth order then? It's a really good question. Um, and, and I think most parents would actually know the answer to this. Um, but perhaps one of the things they don't know is that science tells us that there is investigator bias or personal bias when birth order is actually brought into the equation. So, for example, because it's such a strong social myth, if you tell a school teacher or a, a GP or even a specialist that your this is your second born child or this is your oldest child or this is the youngest of four four children. What the research shows is that the diagnosis changes, the treatment changes, and the behavior of the teacher or the doctor changes towards the child depending on their belief of birth order because they also believe birth order exists. So it's such a strong myth. It's it's so ingrained. People have been brought up to believe it is true. Um, I guess the other thing we know is that um, your biological factors or genetically inherited factors are much more important than your birth order. Um, you may, if you've got children, you may know that one of your children may be born quiet, easygoing, doesn't get overstimulated easily, you know, goes to sleep when people are talking and around. And then you may have another child is not like that at all, where they're, they are easily overstimulated, get easily upset, um, cry more, are harder to settle, uh, perhaps don't settle easily, perhaps wake much easier than other children. So this is something that is genetically inherited um, right from the get-go. And in it's opinion, not, sorry. Yeah, yep. I was just going to say, in your opinion then, do you think that parents should treat children differently depending on their birth order then? No. I No, I don't think so at all. 
Um, I, I can't see what the reasoning would be that you would treat children different because of their birth order. I think you treat children differently because they are different children. They are different people. They have different needs. One child may go through a period where they need more attention. Another child may be slightly more independent and and really want to try things out for themselves and not be assisted. Um, Some children will have passions for learning. Some children won't. some children will have special needs and they're in so so parenting is an individual process tailor-made for each child and uh the the really important things are the interactions amongst the family members um the parenting style whether you're a a punitive parent an authoritative parent um or a parent who is perhaps a little bit gives in too much and then gets a bit of an explosive episode happening when your children don't listen to you. Um, and your children learn their attachment styles from your parenting style. Um, and that is what affects them for the rest of their life. So as an adult, if you have a parent or caregivers who had uncertain, unreliable behaviours towards meeting your needs as a baby, you may in fact develop difficulty trusting people to meet your needs in your adult relationships and you may sabotage them. You may you may push people to see if they're going to abandon you. So there are lots of different issues that come into play about, um, about when you grow up and even as children. So um, certainly avoidant parents, resistant parents, disorganised parents, insecure parents, these all have major effects on, on children and how they grow up. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and also time and money comes into it. You know, if you, if you have only one child, you can put all your resources of time and, and, and emotion and energy into that child's development. If you're mm. working a job and you have more children, you don't have as much time or energy. You're, you know, just getting through the basics. You may not have time for um, meeting all of your children's needs. So in saying that then, I mean, what do psychologists know actually is important then in the family dynamics for raising, you know, psychologically healthy children, just regardless of their birth order then? Um. I think parents that uh, like to read a lot of information and work out what's happening and can stay calm themselves rather than get caught up in their children's emotions are more likely to be able to parent more effectively. Um, Having said that, that is often extremely difficult, um, especially if your children are going through phases where they've got anxiety or something's not not working or they're at the tantruming stage. It's very mm. easy to take on their emotions as yours and, and not be able to step back. Um, I think that's just something to do with the genetics of being a mother. You know, you're so attached to your children, it's it's difficult sometimes to separate yourselves from them. Mm. But say a child that's um, four or five going just or just starting school who comes home at the end of the week and and has a meltdown, um, it, it may just be 
a, a self-soothing exercise for the child to release all that tiredness and energy from being separated from the family for the week um, rather than a child who's misbehaving or demanding attention. It may be a, a way of them letting go of the stress and rebalancing themselves to then be able to interact with the family for the weekend. Does that mm. make sense? Yes, it does. And I just wanted to reference what you were saying earlier about the attachment styles. I mean, how do you find attachment styles um, a powerful predictor of a child's later social and, I guess, uh, psychological outcomes? What are your thoughts? Well, it's, it's it's common sense really, isn't it? If you've got a loving, responsive, organised parent who protects their children from emotional maladjustment by setting boundaries and meeting their needs appropriately, um, you're more likely to, to have a child who who then progresses and reaches their milestones easier. Um, so, for example, uh, an another example of old theories, like in the days when Dr. Spock was the voice of parenting, it, it was leave your children to cry um, and then they will develop resilience and you won't spoil them. Now, we know that's not true now. We know that's that's the opposite of what is true. Letting an infant cry on their own in the first six months of their life um, because you think if you don't, it will spoil them and, and they won't learn self-soothing is abuse, is child abuse. Um, it, the science says just the opposite is true, that if you promptly pick up a crying child under six months of age, by the time they reach one year, they will have reduced and less crying than a child um, that was left. They will uh, develop self-soothing earlier, they will um, learn easier, and they will have a thing called organised attachment where um, they feel secure. <clears throat> if you have a parent who is emotionally unavailable to a child, that's called avoidant uh, parenting, uh, then a the child will learn that um, either their needs can't be net, met immediately or their needs can't be met at all. If the parent always says, no, I'm too busy, or, or for example, a child who, who has parents who, who just don't know how to meet their children's needs. They, they're thinking too much like a adult rather than thinking about, well, what does this child need from me? Um, there are also um, styles called resistance and disorganised. Disorganised is probably the most damaging. It it is where children don't learn through consistent conditioning. So they may exhibit one behaviour and be rewarded one day. Then they may exhibit the next behaviour a few days later and be punished for it. So um, instead of getting positive conditioning or negative conditioning, they get intermittent conditioning. And so they grow up very confused. They don't know, they don't know how to decide what they want. They don't know how to ask for what they want. They don't expect to get it if they do ask for it. Um, and they're always uh, uncertain about what choices they should make in life because they, they've not learned. 
Um, so these things are all much more important than whether you're a firstborn or a middleborn or a lastborn child. Um, you may have parents. Uh, I had a, a child referred to me once who was very introverted, born introverted, a very quiet baby, uh, quiet at school, loved introverted pursuits, loved craft, single sport, and both the parents were highly extroverted and sent the child for assessment because they thought something was wrong with it. Um, they were worried that it was too quiet. And, and that was really just an example of parents having a different personality than their children and worrying because their child wasn't the same as them. So, so to expand on that then, I mean, what are parental personality styles and how can they become, I guess, a powerful parenting tool exactly in this example then? Again, I think, you know, most parents will, will have some personal experience of this and they'll be able to work out what works and what doesn't. But, but certainly that authoritarian, disciplinarian, older style parenting is now quite discredited. Um, it's because the adult's feelings and the adult's thoughts are more important than the child's. And so the child is not considered important. They, uh, an authoritarian disciplinarian parent wants the children to be quiet, play by the parent's rules. Um, they want them to be obedient. They want them to try and meet the goals that the parent sets for them. They want to be um, they want to enforce rules and determine the consequences regardless of whether the consequences are age-appropriate or not. Um, and punishment is the norm and it, it's, it's wielded to reach compliance, to get children to be compliant. Um, what we know from the science is as children grow up into teenagers and adulthood that having an authoritarian disciplinarian parents creates low self-esteem, low confidence, anxiety disorder, lying, hostility and aggression. So it's it's not a great style to choose. Um, the other one that we see a little bit more these days is that permissive, overindulgent parenting style uh, where the rules are set but they're rarely enforced. So no, you can't eat sweets for breakfast. The child has a meltdown and then they get a sweet. Um, and the children learn that by behaving in particular ways, they can actually bend the rules and get they need what they want. Mm -hmm. um, then you get uninvolved parents who really don't inquire about their children's day to day experience. Experience, you know, they may work and to be there's never a time at all time where how did your day go or you know how did your test go today or what are your friends doing, um, and that's because the children have to fit in with busy lifestyles and um, yeah, it, it just leads to uninvolvement in your child's life and and then all of a sudden when they're teenagers you work out you should have been involved a bit more because they've got a peer group that's taking charge of your child and you're losing control. Yes. Um, I have another question too. 
Is it true um, that there are the five, the big five personality traits being openness, conscientiousness, um, extroversion, um, people agreeableness, if I can say that correctly, and those who are neurotic? Now, in your opinion, do you think birth order affects or alters any of these personality traits? Uh, no, I, I, I don't think the science supports that at all. Um, it is it is extremely useful for parents to try and assess what their children's personality traits are. They will be different from each other. Um, some may be highly competitive, some may not be. Some may seem to have more resilience than others. Some may be shy, some may be outgoing. Some may love um, detail, others enjoy fantasy. So each child is different and and it's just a matter of engaging with them at their level and in a way that supports them to be their best version of themselves. So I, I think it also if you if you concentrate on your the individual personalities in your children and you parent authoritatively, which is explaining, reasoning, having positive relationships with your children, validating their feelings, but also setting realistic boundaries, you do create happy, responsible, responsive, confident teenagers and adults. And it also, um, I think it also validates your parenting when you have children that trust you and know you. So this has been an incredibly insightful chat today. I've definitely learned a lot about just general assumptions and just this topic in general. So if you were to summarise, I guess, your key messages for anyone watching and listening on this topic and just to be able to put, I guess, any of these assumptions just to bed, um, what would your key messages be? Um, that birth order is 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 pop psychology, but it's still interesting and valuable because it 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 means parents talk to each other about their different children and they pick up information from each other. It also is a way of opening conversations with children. Um, it's it's not always what the assumption is. Sometimes it's the exact opposite. Middle children have high self-esteem and they usually get on wonderfully in families, whereas the pop psychology says it's the opposite. Um, and concentrate more on yourself as a parent and, um, and your parenting style. Um, try not to be too neurotic, too negative. Try not to discourage fun Try and be agreeable and flexible and encouraging and show patience and compassion and kindness to your children. Um, if you can do that, then you'll be a leader and a mentor for them. You'll be conscientious and you'll be responsible and you will find that your children want to mimic you. They want to be like you. Um, if you can't manage to learn what you need to do, maybe talk to other parents whose children seem to respect them and um, perhaps just have healthy family relationships uh, or try and encourage play with peers where the family dynamics are healthy ones. Wonderful. Thank you so much again, Di. Um, it's been wonderful chatting with you and we hope to have a chat with you again in the not too distant future. Until then, stay safe and take care. Thanks again. 
Thanks, okay. Rachel. I'm Rachel Monteleone, and you've been listening to Kittypedia, the podcast. You can have full access to Kittypedia by visiting our website at kittypedia.com.au or following us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. We're all here to help make the world a better place for our children and for generations to come. You can start today by helping us reach other parents by going to Apple Podcast, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Thank you for listening, and be sure to give my love to the kids.